Alrighty, everyone, welcome back. This is Tavis Killian and Anthony McDaniels on behalf of Rare Petro, and we've got some, well, wacky stories to bring up yet again. If you didn't know, this segment's a little bit more uh, speculative than some of our other stuff, but we're here to have some fun, throw out some opinions, and maybe juice up that critical thinking brain of yours and have you consider your own conclusions. But hey, I'm taking way too much time to get this housekeeping out of the way, so I'm just going to turn it over to Anthony. And how are you feeling this week? Well, a little bit better, a little bit better. Thanks for asking, Tavis. Well, here we go with another uh, wacky World of Energy episode. Yeah, we're going to have it continue on our saucy saucy fashion. Yeah, <laughs> Saucy fashion, not the little nicety talk back and forth banter. Oh, it's great. No, we're all the best. Mm-hmm. Shut up. Look, the real world isn't so friendly, okay? We need to call things out for what they are, the way I see it. So what do we got on deck here for the first article? Um, what, what do we want to start with here, Tavis? Oh, it's looking like some people think we are in the golden age of oil and gas. That's what they're calling it. We've got this Seeking Alpha article here. I'll be sure to post it on the screen. As always, all references in the description. But they're highlighting that people are making way more money today than they were back in, say, 2014. But despite that, uh, there's shares are at much lower prices, and em- energy is a smaller percentage of the entire market. Yeah, yeah, there's been a lot of funds, a lot of this ESG push, you know, we don't want to be exposed to fossil fuels. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so basically, while a lot of the investment capital is turning their back, you know, think about pension funds, retirement account funds, mutual funds, all like, hey, you know, maybe we shouldn't be exposed to the energy sector, like conventional energy sector, fossil fuels, you know, we should go with ESG and this and that. And, okay, fine. But, you know, yet again, it's another saga unfolding as far as how all these people think they can spend their money and invest it better for you than you can yourself. I mean, if we go back two years ago, I want to share my screen here for a little bit. If we go back two years ago, we got a, we got a graph here that starts in May of 2020. These lines are, um, we've got oil is one of the lines, okay? We've got the S&P 500 is another line. Okay, and then we've got the uh, XOP ticker, which is basically the S&P Spider ETF for oil and gas production exploration. So for those of you listening, uh, so if we go back to May of 2020, COVID still pretty fresh at the time, oil prices around $25, $30. Now let's go to where we are now. What kind of percentage changes have we had? Well, the S&P 500 in points since two years ago has gained about 45%. Not so bad, I guess. Um, the XOP, Spider S&P Oil and Gas Exploration and Production, up 165%. <laughs> Blows it out. I mean, I mean, 45%. Oh, that's great. Well, yeah, not compared to 165, it isn't. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just pointing said, it out. We've got all these people who are wanting to get away from investing in conventional energy, but well, clearly you know there's money to be made. There's more money to be made because more people aren't investing in it. Mm-hmm. Simple math. There's not as many people want to hop on the boat. And over the same period of time, oil prices themselves, WTI, have gone up a whopping over 300%. So if oil prices have gone up 300%, okay, here we go. And the ETF that, you know, basically 
tracks the explorers and the producers. Mm-hmm. It's gone up 165%. No wonder why people are saying, hey, look, there could be a lot more legs to conventional energy, you know, basically non-ESG, non-renewables, non-green, quote-unquote, whatever woke terminal, I don't care. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter to me. It's just another form of energy. It has its place, but it does not supplant the base energy loads. And it's not Pure just Joe Schmoe's recognizing that. I mean, we've got another article here. It's yeah. Warren Buffett who's Warren big on Buffett. this. Warren Buffett, yeah. conventional energy, an I'm all about it. Yeah, Warren Buffett. Here's an oil price article. What's the date on this? May 2nd, yesterday. Fresh. Yeah, fresh. Warren Buffett is winding down some of his investments in American banks favoring energy and tech companies. He's added new shares in red-hot E&P companies like Occidental and Chevron. Yeah, yeah, because it doesn't take a freaking genius. Huh, oil's gone up 300%. Huh, <laughs> the oil company's only gone up half as much. Yep. And the service companies even less. Mm. Huh. And Come he's, on. He's played with conventional energy a lot lately, so this is not someone who's just extending a, a new extremity into a new foray. He's He understands this. He knows what's going on. He's heavily involved in midstream, so I think he's going <laughs> to definitely turn some money off of conventional energy easily. Exactly. You know, and we're not recommending or suggesting any ticker symbols or, or investment concepts or anything. We're just pointing out the articles. Mm-hmm. People are saying, man, there's a lot of money being made in, in oil and gas companies right now. Yes, there is, because prices are high. But the stock prices in these companies hasn't gone up nearly as much as the oil prices in the last two years mm-hmm. on a percentage basis. And why is that? Oh, God, who knows? I don't want to get too deep into that rabbit hole. It could be so <laughs> that many could be things. a whole episode. Well, it could be partially, you know, people saying, I don't want to continue to put money in. You know, you got pension funds, retirement funds. You know, they want to be more ESG related. You know, they want to be more green oriented, all these things. So they're not going to put as much money into oil and gas. And you know what? It's not just that. I mean, they did a lot of them have put a lot of money in oil and gas in the early 2010s or mid-2010s too, and then it just got annihilated when the crash happened in the late 2010s, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I was pretty recent. I'd still be licking my wounds from that too. Yeah, exactly, you know. I mean, so, you know, there's basically, there's a lot of this from a political aspect or from a what does it look like optics, ESG, green, and this. There's a lot of this, like, just people just not allowing as much money as aggressively into oil and gas companies, but as a result, you still have a commodity that's being used every day, yeah. being consumed every day. It's in everything in modern life, no doubt about it. You, you, you know, you couldn't even, you wouldn't even recognize life if you said, I'm not going to use hydrocarbon. Anybody out there says, oh, you get fossil fuels. Then just literally go live in a freaking teepee. Yep. I'm Would serious. Have... Like if you want <laughs> to do that, you go do that. Okay. Yeah, go back to consuming wood and trees as fuel. Yeah, exactly. Let's just cut down our forests because I can't get anything to cook my meat other than that or eat my hut. That Or, hey, you got cow dung. People still cook all around the world with yeah. that. We could always you go You want to be off fossil fuels? Move to Costa Rica. Mm. And then Wasn't speaking... it Costa Rica versus the Dominican Republic? Oh, well, actually, yeah, I can link that. It was uh, so the one island shared by Haiti and the Dominican Haiti, Republic. Haiti, I'm sorry, not uh, Costa Rica. 
Maybe you can edit that out, or maybe you can leave it in there. I just <laughs> it's lost fine. Track. I mean, it allows me here. I'll put the video up right about yeah. there. You, you want to live without fossil fuels? Move to Haiti. Mm-hmm. That's why when you hear that a Haiti earthquake, everything is horrible, and mm-hmm. because their infrastructure is shambles. It's yep. huts. It's all gas it's generators, and that's about you it. You know, I mean, anything shakes anything, and it all comes down, mm. right? I mean, you think the Dominican Republic doesn't feel tremors too? Come on, <laughs> you don't see those headlines. Dominican Republic shattered, you know, totally leveled by an earthquake. Well, they have the earthquakes, but they have modern buildings and they have modern economy and they have a modern, you know. So if you don't like fossil fuels, my first suggestion is move to Haiti and see what you think about that. Because they cut down all their trees. While we're venturing into international territories at this point, it seems like we've left the U.S. We do have a story talking about, well, the API is trying their best to convince U.S. lawmakers to not take a big old stick and go smack OPEC with it, (laughs) essentially. Oh, God. I know. They're saying, please don't go piss them off. This won't end well. But for two decades, it seems American politicians have been ignoring their cries. I mean, we've got enough freaking problems right now, and we just want to add to them. I swear that's what the goal is. So May 2nd, oil price article comes out. API opposed to the U.S. bill allowing antitrust lawsuits against OPEC. So for those of you who aren't history buffs in this, going back again to the 1970s with Kissinger brokering the deal, United States and Saudi Arabia. Saudi, you're going to be the head of OPEC, basically the international oil community. You're the head of it. You're the biggest producer. And we've worked with you. So you price your oil in U.S. dollars. And we will protect you, right? That was the deal. Mm-hmm. Well, part of that protection is now anybody who deals with the U.S. dollar system or any currency from any country's system, you are also subject to their legal system, right? If you want to deal in the U.S. system of currency, the U.S. laws and regulations can and shall apply to you. That's part of the deal, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, when the United States says you violated what we think is okay, so we're going to throw a sanction at you, Mm -hmm. which basically means you can't use U.S. dollars. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh Part of that protection was, hey, Saudi, you know, we got a lot of antitrust corporate laws going back to the, you know, the robber barons and the (laughs) standard oil and, you know, Ted, you know. Teddy Roosevelt back then, the trust buster, all this stuff going way back. We have a bunch of antitrust laws. You can't have monopolies over, you know, you know, can't have, you know, can't have that. So they said, don't worry, Saudi. I know you're going to be in the U.S. dollar system, but we won't impose the antitrust laws on you because they are running a cartel. Mm-hmm. According to U.S. law, that would be against our, you know, I mean, that would be against our trust laws. Yeah. So they said, don't worry about that. Now we have our visionary, intelligent lawmakers trying to pass this no OPEC bill, mm-hmm. which if they do in this current environment, would just be more fuel to the freaking fire of people starting to turn their back on what the U.S. dollar system says needs to happen. You really want to cross that bridge right now? Especially not now, given current events. This is the I last mean, what are you going to do? You pass the no OPEC bill. I'm in total agreement with the API here. Mm-hmm. Tell the frickin' lawmakers, leave that thing alone. Mm-hmm. 
What are you going to do? You're going to pass this no OPEC bill. So what? You can then tell Saudi that they're breaking U.S. trust laws and sanction them? Yeah, that's Just pretty much what push it is. them even more towards Russia mm -hmm. and China and India and everybody not with us or Europe. It's it's dumb. I I, I mean I don't I don't it, 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 I I agree with the API. Hmm. Leave that alone. You've got the crown prince of Saudi Arabia doesn't even want to take calls from the president of the United States, and you want to pull this thing out there. Now, they've tried to pass this a couple of times. I, I understand that it's been through Congress and passed before in the chambers, mm. but it hasn't actually been, you know, brought up and signed by the president, put into law. Mm -hmm. Man, if they were to put that through in this current environment and you want to go tell Saudi Arabia, who doesn't even want to take your freaking phone calls, hey, oh, by the way, you're you're violating U.S. trust law, so we're going to sanction you until you restructure, what, Saudi Aramco? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh -huh. That's the country's economic engine. Mm. They would be like, yeah, no. You can buy our oil in, in, in our currency now, or you can go through another one, mm. but we don't, whatever. Like, so, I mean, yeah, there's a lot to it. That Saudi Arabia's got a lot of money and sovereign wealth put in U.S. bonds, basically sovereign savings account, stuff like this. But, yeah, it's a dicey thing to throw out there, like, they could say they would comply and then just tell you, yeah, we're not going to do it. Well, they could say they'll do it and then just do something on the side. You're not even going to know. Yep. Right? Until they unwind their U.S. bondholding positions potentially, right? And then they so, have I no mean, reason I just, to do I agree business. with the API entirely on this. I would think it's a very bad idea given the geopolitical landscape we're seeing right now in energy and currencies mm -hmm. to want to poke this thing. Leave it alone. How do you think? The I mean, US at this is... point, things are so volatile that even this, even these headlines like this coming up, even lawmakers talking about wanting to do this, could be damaging mm -hmm. at this point because things are so fragile with our relationship. How do you think we got to this point? Is the U.S. just arrogant and riding high and mighty off that world reserve currency, getting a little bit too comfortable? Oh, man, I think so. I don't know if anybody running this country. They're not old enough. I'm not either. Hmm. But, I mean, the status quo does them fine. We say what we want, we get what we want. They were never around a lot of them when these deals were crafted. I mean, hmm. I think Henry Kissinger, I mean, he's still alive. I think he's like 96. Well, that's so Chuck Grassley may have been a young man when this stuff went down. But as far as other U.S. politicians, yeah, it's, uh, I, I would imagine they're a bit removed from that situation. Can't relate. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I mean, we've got we've got that kind of stuff going on. And and I just I agree with the API. I hope they can talk some sense into our lawmakers and just say, guys, this this isn't uh, this isn't going to help us bring down U.S. gasoline prices, mm -hmm. for example. Like what they're trying to say is, let's try and make more of our own stuff, guys. Huh? There's an idea. Let's try and do that. Yeah. And then for our next story, it looks like we've got, well, something really foreboding given what the EU wants to do. But their request for Russian gas recently hit a five-month high, topping numbers from back in November, despite them wanting to get, you know, off of this energy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Requests for Russian natural gas deliveries for the EU via Ukraine and Slovakia on Monday reached their highest level since November of 2021, sending European benchmark gas prices lower in early trade, despite the ongoing dispute over the rubles for gas payment 
uh, agreement that we've talked about in previous weeks. Yeah, some people might be trying to rush to put a little bit of storage in there before <laughs> take advantage I mean, of the it gas demand will drop in the warmer months mm. for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you know, we got all this stuff going on. You know, we also have the EU talking about maybe trying to ban Russian crude, mm-hmm. right? And so, 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 what do we have? We have we have an article today, I think today. Yep. Right. That um, Russia retaliates May third oil price. Charles Kennedy, Russian President Vladimir Putin, has just introduced a package of economic measures intended to retaliate against Western sanctions. The cabinet of ministers now has 10 days to determine who will be put on the sanctions list. I think we can all estimate that anybody likes NATO and the United States will yeah. be on this list, but you know, <laughs> let's not speculate too heavily. Oh, of course not. <laughs> Wouldn't want to be wrong, huh? Yeah. So Russian, um, the decree published, let me see here. Let's just start. Russian president Putin, has threatened to terminate exports and deals with the West and add certain individuals and entities to the Kremlin's sanctions list in retaliation for sanctions imposed by the U.S. and the EU. Mm -hmm. I want to reread that again. Has threatened to terminate exports and deals with the West. It's pretty foreboding. I mean, that's a very. I mean, uh, I mean, let's just go language. back. Yeah, go back a couple of weeks here, maybe a month or so. We're gonna throw sanctions on you. You went into Ukraine. Oh, really? But you never had the freaking balls to stop buying my gas or my oil. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna tell you. Oh, you just tried to play the game of you're paying for my gas. I'm delivering the gas, but I can't touch the money you paid me with because of the sanctions. Fine, I'll cut you off for you. You pay mm-hmm. me in rubles. He's taken exactly what they've thrown at him and turned it around, which yeah. again, I hate to say now it's this, brilliant. Now, this but... could be terminate exports and deals. This could be well beyond gas. This could be oil and a lot of other things. Any commodity, Metals, really. Any commodity that comes out of there. Oh, and by the way, I shall also point out another article from today that and I see this was on the Epoch Times, but the Russia is planning to annex parts of eastern Ukraine in this month. Oh, that's that's pretty quick. I guess it's probably about time. So what if, right, and we're no diplomatic experts, military experts here, but back in 2014, he annexed Crimea. For those who don't understand, you can look this up. But what's important about that is it's a warm water port with the Black Sea. And a warm water port is a big freaking deal, guys. It allows for a lot of most trade in the planet happens maritime, on the oceans, okay? Now, what they are basically planning to do, according to this article, is hold a referenda to have people in the eastern parts of Ukraine and southern basically think land bridge from Russia's border all the way down to the southern part there in Odessa and 
Crimea area and the Black Sea and that whole thing. If they hold their referenda, quote unquote, and they vote to be part of Russia Federation or not part of Ukraine, one or the other, uh, then essentially Russia has control in this scenario of potentially all of the trade coming in and out of Ukraine through the Black Sea. Mm-hmm. Almost makes Ukraine look like a means to an end just to get a foot in the door at that one Just to get border. a foot in the door. If that's the scenario that unfolds and then they're going to say, you want to throw sanctions on me, and which basically means, let's boil this down, the economic sanctions, the currency sanctions basically mean that he can't touch the, the money we pay him for the stuff we want from him because it's our currencies. Mm-hmm. And we said, we don't like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So he said, fine, then pay me in my currency. What? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Why? Oh, you think that's a problem? Well, then I can ship over to India. I can ship over to China. What you want? They've got plenty of trade agreements set up already. Plenty of trade agreements. Yeah, there's pain in this. But if I look at this whole thing, it seems as if let's just make sure that we have total control over a warm water trading port that, oh, and by the way, if that's the case, and they don't topple all of Ukraine, but they have total control over that area of the southern and eastern to with the Black Sea coming in and out port, then any almost all global trade that Ukraine would send, wheat and grains and all this other stuff, to anywhere other than Europe, would have to go through that same port most of the time, which would be controlled by Russian interests, which would be dictated by Russian terms, which if you want to sanction us, we're going to do what we'd already started to do. You mm-hmm. pay us our currency, so or you this, don't get it. At this point, the EU and the U.S., they're just, uh, for lack of a better word, shit and bricks at this point, right? Because I'm sure I've, we're not the I only would, ones to have this idea. I mean, I mean, I would think so. I mean, I would hope so. Look, I don't know that that's what's going to happen. And it may not. And it may not at all. But I can tell you this. If you follow what has been happening in sequence between the currency games of chicken, between the, you know, we're going to fight, you're going to take it all, they're not taking everything, but, but, but what do they want? They said what they wanted in 2014. Crimea. Mm-hmm. Why? Black Sea, warm water trading port. But it's going to be a lot more stable if you have an unaltered, unabridged land bridge between Russia and said port Mm -hmm. with friendly forces or you just make it part of Russia entirely. And then you have a line, could be a new Maginot line. You don't cross this line, NATO, or Ukraine, otherwise... You're going to have a real world of hurt on your hands. Mm -hmm. They want control of the warm water port. That's what they want. It seems so obvious. Man, this could be a big month for that development. And I think we're at about 25 minutes. Before we go, is there anything else you want to bring up before we close out this episode? No, not really. I mean, I think that covers a lot of good stuff here. You Mm -hmm. know, anybody can feel free to comment 
correct, criticize, question, challenge anything we're Please. saying. Those we're are just our trying favorites. To, yeah, yeah. We're just trying to point out. I've heard people have liked. Have, we've had some feedback. People like the sauciness. You know, um, you know. Just I mean, look. We're engineers. We're we're smarter. You know, smart enough to look and do our do. You know, look at all the facts and the figures, the details, and get into the minutia and all that. And that's great. We're here on this episode just to talk, bring a certain opinion, concept, way of thinking. Uh, you know, another way, another lens to maybe look at some of the news that's going on and see. You know, again, help our listeners have a little bit more of a of a way to look at or think about something. Right? Maybe it's not right at all. <laughs> but it's at least an opinion from people in the industry that follow this stuff closer. We do this every day. We are looking at this stuff all the time. We're constantly putting out content. So just take it for what it is. We're talking about articles. We're adding some of our own spice to it. I hope everybody continues to like it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's all I got to say, Tavis. Hey, perfect. I don't think I could have said it any better myself, and especially those disagreements. Those are our favorite. Go ahead and send those to podcast at rarepetro.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T. We'll be sure to bring it up on a future episode, whether you agree or disagree. Until then, go to www.rarepetro.com where we have plenty, just an absolute gargantuan vault of content available for you to watch, listen to, read through research. We've got it all. sure to be something you like. So that should tide you over to next week. But hey, thanks for joining us this week. And until we see you next time, take care, everybody. 